Okay, you may be seated. Trust me, that, uh, that is a dangerous prayer. Do whatever it takes so that I can decrease and you increase. Talk to somebody who was in first service, and you'll know how much God used that in my own life, um, first service. But we're really excited that you're all here today. Um, we've got the baptism, which just is a big deal. It's a big deal to Jesus. Anybody that follows him, it's a big deal in our body. Um, we had three baptism first service. Great stories. I hope you'll get online and watch um, those if you weren't here for service and just excited for those that are coming to, to get baptized this morning. So again, if you're here, welcome to 12th Avenue. We're glad to have you. I know there's a number of people who came um, with to represent or to be here for some people that are getting baptized. So glad to have all of you here today. Um, you know, over the years in my working with people who did not know much about God or anything, um, man, one of the most questions, frequently asked questions I got was, well, then why did God create? Why did He create the universe? Much less, but especially, why did He create humanity? Why did He create us? And it's a great question. It's a question, in fact, I had before I came to know Jesus and that I wanted answered. There's a lot of other questions that get tied into that. Frequently, that's followed by three or four others. Um, but I just want to focus on that one question this morning. And I want to tell you, the Bible doesn't give an outright answer to that, but in all my years of reading and study, um, I'm going to share with you this morning what I am convinced the answer to that question is, and it actually flows out of the Trinity. It flows out of the Trinity. And so, for those of you visiting for the last five weeks, we've been in a series on the Trinity, and we learned from the very beginning that when God declared Himself in Deuteronomy and He said, the Lord your God is one, that the Hebrew word that is used there is not the Hebrew word for one that's one alone, that's solitary by itself. But the word that he used, the Hebrew word for one, is a word that means one made up of many. And so what we learn is, is that the God of the Bible exists in a community of three, of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then we looked at a key passage of Scripture together out of John's first epistle, chapter 4. I'm going to put it up on the screen because um, it, it gives so much insight into who God is. So I'd like to invite you to stand with me and actually follow along with me reading this on the screen. So if you would stand, please. Again, and, and let these words sink in because it speaks so deeply to who God is. You're going to see this word agape up here. You don't have to read that when you see it, okay? It's just there for a reason, so you can skip that. Are you ready to go? Okay, let's do it. God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. We love because He first loved us. And this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Amen to his word. I mean, you saw that Greek, that word love in the Greek New Testament is the Greek word agape. It's God's kind of love, and it is a love that is other-seeking, self-giving, self-sacrificing. Other-seeking, self-giving, sacrifice, self-sacrificing. And I want to tell you, those words in red are some of the most profound words in the Bible, some of the most profound words, because what they tell us is that God in the essence of who He is, is love, agape, self-giving love. That's who He is in His very essence. And if you remember, love presupposes relationship. You've got to have more than one to love, right? 
So that's, I mean, the Trinity totally makes sense. And so what that t- this teaches us is that God is inherently relational and He is inherently personal. And that God, the God of the Bible, exists in an eternal fellowship of love and delight. That's, that's how He exists for all of eternity. And here's why this is so significant. Because if that's what God is, what it tells me is, is that love is at the center of everything. It's at the center of the universe because He's the one that created it. And it tells me that love and a relationship truly are the most important thing, and that rings true to my heart. That rings true to, the reali- to reality, as I think all of us know it. And if you remember, I'm, I'm doing this for a particular reason, not to just sh- show off a Greek word. Theologians have used a Greek word for centuries to talk about the relationship within the Trinity, and it's, it's peri- perichoresis. I show that because the, we get our word choreography is related to it, our English word. And so what this word refers to is that the inner life of the Trinity is described as an eternal dance of self-giving love. And I think you'll see the significance of that in a minute. So with all of that under our belt, back to our question, why did God create? In particular, why did He create us? Why did He create humanity? And I want you to know a couple of reasons why He didn't create. He didn't create because He was lonely, right, because He was all alone and He needed company. Because as we just saw, God has existed for all of eternity in a loving community of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, continually relating to each other. And He didn't create because He needed anything. Um, that's what all the ancient religions said, taught, is that the gods needed things from humanity. In fact, that's why they created humans, was to do stuff for them, okay? Um, it's not at all what the Bible teaches. Here's what Paul said about God to the people of Athens, to a lot of the philosophers and the big thinkers. Um, It's in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 24 to 25, and here's what he said. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. He satisfies every need. He satisfies every need. So, then why did He create if He didn't need us? Why did He create? And I would say He created because God is a God of selfless, self-giving, agape love, that God is a God of, of bounding love, of bounding, boundless love. As David Benner has said, love by its very nature always reaches out. It always reaches out. There's this outward movement to love. It extends itself Love is to be shared. Love is for spreading. It's not for keeping, right? So if I showed you the rest of his quote, here's what David says. Love has its origins in the character of the triune God where perfect love is shared within a sacred community of three. And love by its very nature always reaches out. Rather than be content with the circle of love within the Godhead, God reached out to create so that others could enter this sphere of intimacy and be warmed by divine love. Isn't that a great quote? And I want you to know, Jesus essentially said the same thing. I'm going to show you a couple different ways. But first, throughout the Gospels, when he wanted to talk about God and the kingdom of God, he primarily used parables or stories to illustrate what God and the kingdom of God was like. And two of the most common themes in his stories that he used were family and were feasts. Or we don't talk about feasts much, we tend to talk about parties more. So God's kingdom is like a family. God's kingdom is like a party. So I want to talk first about family, if I could. 
Um, for those of you who are married, think about this. When you first get married, it's just kind of all about you. It's you two. You're having a great time. Don't need anybody else. Just enjoying that relationship. But it doesn't take long. You know, after a year or two or even shorter into that, there starts to creep in this desire to bring somebody new into that community, right? To, to have a child, to grow the family, to invite somebody else into the family, to invite somebody else into the loving dance of your little community. And so you begin to have babies. You begin to have babies. I once was talking to somebody and heard him say that when he first got married and then when he found out that his wife was pregnant, they were going to have a baby, he got really nervous because in his mind that that meant that the love he had for his wife when the baby, child was born would get divided and so he'd have a, a little bit less for his wife and he'd have to give half of it to the child. And then he said, then when the child was born, he realized this really amazing thing, that that didn't happen at all. Love doesn't divide, but love multiplies, that he had that whole love for his wife, and all of a sudden, he had this new love that he had never experienced before for this new human. Um, trust me, when you become a parent, there's nothing like it, right? There's nothing like it. And he found that not only had his wife, love for his wife not diminished, but by having this child, that his love for her actually increased and all of that, because that's how love works. It, it multiplies. So God, like a family, I want you to know he is a loving community marked by the giving of love and of life, just like a family. And the other main category that Jesus used to explain the kingdom are parties or feasts. Um, think about some of the parties you've had with good friends lately. Maybe it was a Super Bowl party, right, where you um, invited some friends over and you're even talking, and you've got the kind of your list, and then somebody's like, hey, but what about Joe? We should invite Joe. So you're texting Joe, like, Joe, you should come to our party. And then even, I mean, I've had it where you're there, and somebody's like, hey, I, I think somebody's just home alone. Let's invite them. And you just bring more people in, right? Um, Super Bowl party. Maybe it's a, a guy's Lego night, Lego Batman night party, um, which, by the way, it, this is a classic. It should be in the top 100. I don't know why it didn't get nominated for Best Picture that year. La La Land, I mean, really? Bat Lego Batman is the, <laughs> is the great. <laughs> for guys, this is great. But so there were some guys that I knew about who had never seen Lego Batman. And so I invited a group to my house to have the party. And as we're texting with those guys, one of them's like, hey, but what about so-and-so? We should invite him. And so we invited him. And then as we were inviting others, we kind of and it, and it, you know, got bigger than what it started at. Um, all around Lego Batman, right? Um, and that happens with any kind of party. And why is that? I say it's because when you're having a good time with people, you want to invite more people in. You want to invite more in. You want to widen the circle. As the saying goes, the more the merrier. The more the merrier. And here's what I find so interesting. In Luke's version of a parable about a feast or a party, about a king who had invited his people in, that towards the end of that parable... Um, not everybody had accepted the invitation. And so he tells his servants, he says, I want you to go out and I want you to bring more people in, as many as you can find, because I want my house full. I want my house full. That is God's desire. He wants his house full. He wants to enlarge the community. He wants to invite others into that dance. That's what he is like. That God desires to extend the circle of relationship by inviting others into his intimate fellowship because he is a God of self-giving love. 
And Jesus talked about this in John 17, 21, where he said this. Father, in praying to the Father, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, would you read these last words with me? May they also be in us. Do you see his heart? May they also be in us. May we, we want to bring others into our community. So the triune God, I want you to know, he longs to welcome people into his fellowship, into his family. He longs to do that. This is the best possible news. Do you know that? That's why the story of Jesus is called good news, because this is good news. That we're invited, we are invited into this eternal dance with the triune God of self-giving love, into this, this relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So here's my answer to that question. Why did God create, especially us? I would say this, that God exists um, eternally in a community of love. The God of the Bible, the triune God that we worship, that we love, is a God for whom giving and receiving, it is at the core of His very being. And it was out of the overflow of the perfect love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it was out of the overflow of that, that He creates and He invites others into that fellowship, all for the purpose of widening the circle of love. That's my answer to that question. He didn't create us because he was lonely. He didn't create us because he needs us. He has everything he needs in and of himself. He created us to have a relationship with himself and to enlarge that relational community. Isn't that powerful? You know, I didn't know this growing up, okay, because I had, you know, no religion. And all of my friends who went to church, it was all about they just go to church and you do all these churchy things, and they all thought it was so annoying, and so did I, hearing them, okay? Because what they didn't understand and what I didn't understand is this concept is so important that you were created for a relationship with God. Do you know that's why you were created? You were created to participate in the Trinitarian life. You were created, first and foremost, to have a real intimate relationship with the Creator, the God of the universe. And He wants you in His family. He wants you in His feast. He wants you at the party. He wants you to be in the dance. And again, that's really good news. And hear me this morning, I want to make something really clear, that the Bible is clear that you cannot earn your way into this family, into this party by being a good person. Scripture is so clear on that. The Bible, and that's how people tend to think, right? If I'm just good enough, if I do enough good things that outweigh the bad, that when I die, you know, if, if the balance is on my sheet, then I get in, right? That's how people think. But Scripture is very clear. It says that you are spiritually dead because of your disobedience and many sins. We're spiritually dead. And that I can only be made alive in Jesus Christ. I, can, I have to be born again. That's why he talks about that, to enter into the kingdom of God. It's only through him. And it's specifically, it's by receiving him and the gift of life and relationship and salvation he offers through his work on the cross, okay? I want to be crystal clear on that. I cannot earn my way into this party. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, he says, it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is not of works. Okay, can you say that with me? It is not of works. It's not by being a good person, okay? Because if we do that, that means we can boast and brag about what we did to get in, and it's not that at all. It's all His grace, okay? So this morning, when you see some individuals get in this uh, <laughs> horse tank, I guess, right? Uh, but I love it because we, we wanted to get baptism in here. 
with the whole family because it's a family activity. So when you get some, see some people step in here, they are individuals who have accepted God's offer of a free gift of relationship with Him, forgiveness of their sins, by placing their trust in Him and their trust in what He did on the cross for their sin. That's what you're going to see this morning. They welcomed, them into, they welcomed Him into their lives and they received that forgiveness of sin. And it's, it's just His gracious offer of life and love with Him. Um, and here's what's really cool. This is something I've learned new this week. And it is because of that, of them, they've accepted that offer to life and fellowship with the triune God. That is why we will baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because they've become a part of that Trinitarian family. Isn't that really cool? Really cool. So, this baptism... It's not a good religious thing that they do to help them go to heaven. It has nothing to do with that. They've already accepted him. They're part of the family. This is just an outward sign of an inward reality that's already happened. Just like when you get married, okay? I do a lot of weddings. And when you get married, the thing that makes you married is the vows. You could stop at the vows and it's done. You're married. I could sign the document and it's done. But after the vows, you exchange rings. And the rings are simply an outward sign or an outward token of the relationship already entered into. Does that make sense? The rings come after the vows. And that's what baptism is. Is baptism, like my wedding ring, it's just something that visibly shows people, I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I want it to be public. I'm not going to hide it. And today, I am declaring something that I've already entered into. I have gone from death to life. Uh, so cool. All right. Um, I want to apply this briefly to three different, two different people, two different groups here, if you don't mind. Um, first, I want to speak to those here who really don't know Jesus. You don't know what it's like to have that relationship with Him. I get it. I was there for a long time. Um, and there are people who are in here every Sunday morning who I know are on the journey towards Him, still trying to figure all that out. So here's what I want to ask of you, that if you're here and you're like, I don't know what this means to have a relationship with Jesus and to be divided in this fellowship with the with the divine community. If that's you today, I want you to know that in the back this morning, there's going to be two pub tables over there. You could take one of these booklets, and it will talk to you about how to have that relationship. You can just grab it, slide it in your back pocket when you get home. You can read it. If you ever want to talk to anybody about what it means to really give your life to Him, if you're, there may be some people here who have been listening to this for a while, and if you're like, I'm ready, then I would love to talk to you, Jordan, Lisa, Jason. I mean, there's a lot of people who would love to talk to you. So, my invitation is, if you don't know Jesus personally, to, to, to give Him your life. Um, because here's what I found, that most people, when they think of God, what they tend to think of is that alone, isolated, like that grandfather guy who is primarily a lawgiver and a judge, and my whole job is to do enough good stuff to make Him happy so I can get into heaven. That's not what it is at all. He is a loving community that wants you in the family, and He wants a relationship. Okay, I want to talk to those who have accepted Jesus uh, for a minute. Okay, this is what we're created for, is communion, fellowship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so here's my question, because when you hear these, these stories, and a lot of times when somebody's getting baptism, it's pretty, they've accepted Christ recently, and they still have that first love, you know, like when you first fall in love, that glow about them. Paul in the book of in Revelation talks about the church in Ephesus, and he says, you've lost your first love for me that you had at the beginning. Your love's grown lukewarm. 
We're created for this abiding relationship. If you've accepted Jesus, here's my question. Have you let that relationship grow warm? Nobody wants to receive just warm love, right? Have you let that grow warm? How is your walk with Him? Are you, are you walking with Him? Are you communing with Him daily? Are you, you talking to Him about your life, the things you're concerned about? Are you praising Him? You're giving thanks. You're asking for things. You know, you're in His Word. You're just wanting to hear from Him. So how are you doing that relationship if you know Jesus? And if you follow Jesus, I have one more question. I want to remind you, we are not only invited into this fellowship, but God wants to extend that fellowship. And He's not doing that alone. Remember, was it last week, two weeks ago, we talked about He wants us to partner with Him in His work? It was last week, okay? We are to partner with God in extending this community. And so that's my question is, He has such a passion for the lost, and there's millions of lost people who don't know God, who are in bondage to to sin and to Satan and their lives. They don't know what to do. They don't know where they're going. There's so many people that need him so desperately. And my question is, is your heart burning for the lost as much as his? Or has that kind of died down and you just don't think about it? You enjoy being in the party of the family, but you don't think very much about people that he's wanting to bring into the family. And today would be a day to say, Lord, I need to to reignite my passion for the lost and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to once again start praying for one or two people that you put in my sphere of influence where I work, study, um, live, and play that I can be praying for. And I'm intentionally seeking for an opportunity to share this good news with them because so many people don't know it. So how is your, how is your heart related to that? I, just, I want you to know it's so easy to get in a party and get so focused in the party that you forget there are people that are not, not there, right? And I just want you to know as those of us who know Jesus... And we're in this great party, this great family, that the Father, here's his posture. He enjoys that, but he stands at the window looking out and saying, one more. I want my house full. And it's so easy to get stuck in the party, and I don't, I forget to stand at the window and for me to look and to ask, one more. I'm with you, one more. Who can I invite? So that's my challenge to all of us. Um, Man, to the main thing now. Are you guys ready for this? Yeah, I'm excited. So those that are getting baptized, come on up. Um, we'd love to have you come up to your place, and we want to we wanna get on with this. All right, would you stand? We want to end with a worship song, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up. So please stand.
burn through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, He took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith. This gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin. Thanks for challenge, for doing worship today. 
couple of reminders. One, if you uh, weren't able to be in first service, this will be these will be posted online. I encourage you to get on and watch the stories from the first service. Uh, really great. And again, if you're here and you're like, I don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, but I'm really interested, grab one of these on the way out there at the tables back there. So, all right, can I pray for us? Father, thank you for a day that we got to celebrate the new life um, of, of these seven people this morning, how that they have gone from death to life and how they've been made new in you. Thank you for all that you gave to bring us back to yourself. It's all about you. It's all you. And so we just celebrate that. For those of us who follow Jesus, Lord, may we this be a day to really think about and recommit ourselves to you, that we would, once again this morning, we would stand and we would say, I, Lord, give you all that I am, all that I have, all that I do. And so we just pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. 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 All right, 12th, you are sent.